It's July 27th, 2014. It's 10.56 in the morning. It's on a Sunday. And I'm sitting on the park bench here in the woods at the intersection of Lowry and Smoke Rise Trail on my Cecil Ashburn Mountain. I came up here to do my own personal church this morning. I've had a, had a difficult morning with my mother. And um, when I came back to my mom's house this time, something felt different. She That lovey-doveyness and the light the light-heartedness of her had was kind of gone again and she's back to unfortunately just being oppressive with her orders and I had to say something to her this morning while we were carrying furniture and just say mom you you order us around so much and are so dramatic you you make us nervous and you know it's it you it gets in the way it's just I don't know how to describe it it's just it's very oppressive my stepfather just says yes dear yes dear and he does it in a kind of a condescending way to kind of try to get her to be quiet but I just was so hopeful that my mom was starting to change in that. And then, I mean, just if, if you're carrying something and a drawer slides out, she's, she just freaks out about it. You know, like something somebody just got hit in a car accident or something. And it just, the oppression, I'm not offended by her. I came out and, and I knew I needed to come up here and pray. And I, they wanted me to go to lunch. And I said, Mom, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just not feeling it. I, I need to go. And it's like, I just wanted to get away from her. And... I also recognized that I was weak because always the day after strenuous activity, I feel tired and, uh, you know, just kind of uh, not real joy-filled uh, and zealous or what have you because my body's trying to recuperate and I lifted a lot of heavy weight all day yesterday. So I knew I just wanted to get away and I... Um, I came out here today and I've been sitting here before the Lord for about 30 minutes and it's just so amazing what God does in my heart. I told him, I said, Father, I'm still weak. I can't, I can't do it without you. I couldn't wait to run out here and get before him and I just, I've just been sitting here in this forest and reading scriptures and I'm just so close to the Father. I just love him so much. And, I'm just so amazed at what happens when you read God's Word. I read my promise pages about don't quit, persevere, and waiting on the Lord. I mean, I didn't even get through the first scripture before I could just feel the Spirit just fill me up with joy and hope. I mean, it's just incredible. It's just incredible. I'll walk out of these woods feeling like a new man because of my father. praying for my children. In particular, I prayed so heavy for Tyler, for his schooling, and I, I'm going to commit to praying for him every day about his nerves and just everything that will go well with his school. He's Obviously, he said he was very nervous about you know not remembering where his rooms are and stuff, and I so remember those days. It's so sweet to hear him have those thoughts, because I remember I used to have nightmares about couldn't get the lock off my locker, couldn't find my locker, get in there and my the wrong books in there, and you're late to class. I mean, this, the way the school system is set up, for me, in my personality, it was just, I, 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 was, I felt tormented so much by it, I hated it. But God got me through it, and I know that God will get Tyler through it. 
And so, just been sitting out here drinking in the Lord. There's a heavy breeze blowing, and it always feels like the Spirit of God is just blowing on me. I've, I sometimes have been sitting up on the cliff praying, and a big breeze just comes out of nowhere and blows on my face, and it it almost takes my breath away because it feels like God is just somehow or another moving the wind in my face, blowing on me as His Spirit. And it's incredible. It's just incredible. Like even right now, it's getting stronger as I'm saying that. You can hear the trees. Listen to that. It's just incredible. I just love it. I just, I love it so much. The wind blowing through the trees is just so beautiful. It literally makes me think of the Spirit of God sweeping across the land and blowing into the hearts of men. Anyhow, I'm continually amazed at what happens when you run to the Father when you're being oppressed, when you're hurt, when somebody's afflicting you or anything. And the strength of the Lord, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and I am helped. And... um, I pulled into the parking lot and my odometer, I'd been just thinking, Lord, I actually had started praying about my finances again and work and my mom gave me this this lead where this doctor here in town, this chiropractor, has referred another lady to me to do video work. It's like I'm getting all these people interested in paying me to do video work and I have to say no. My mom asked me the other night, she's been hanging around for weeks about I'll pay you $15 an hour to help me hang some blinds. I'll pay you $15 an hour to move all this stuff, to do all that. And you want some gas money? You want some food money? And, and I said, Mom, let me ask you a question. If God has told me no to working for $100 an hour, which is how much I charge doing video production, why would he not say no to the $15 an hour for doing that stuff? I have a limited amount of time. I have to work on things God has, is asking me to do And I'm ministering to people. And yes, I'm not making any money. And yes, sometimes that can be hard to understand. And it's not not very frustrating for me because I I get so much joy. The idea of working for money, it's weird, but it just has no appeal to me. I'm very hardworking, but it's like I have a hard time wanting to take money for it. It's like, you know, I'm doing, I just did this video and all this stuff for my friends Bobby and Wes. And I mean, it's probably a couple thousand dollars, several thousand dollars worth of work I've done for them in consulting and videotaping and filming and video production and all that stuff. If I were charging money, I would charge several thousand dollars for this. And I haven't had the first thought of, wow, it'd be nice to get paid for this. It's almost like I want God to reward me instead of man. I just, you know, and God has has not told me to to depend upon man for money. and, And I've just been wanting to help him out. And there's a There's a joy that comes from being able to help out people. Obviously, I really want to pay my child support. I really want to. But I've seen enough from God to know that His timing on that is perfect and that He's doing something. He's setting up something and I have to trust Him. I've had several moments of temptation where I've thought, man, it would be so easy for me to just go back to doing video storytelling. It's kind of a neat thing. People think it's exciting. It would pay me money, good money. I still can have my freedom. I can still do ministry. But 
I pulled into the parking lot today having been thinking about some of these things and, and it was 525 on the, the speedometer. There was a 152.5, 152.5 miles. My eyes just went right to it. And as I pulled in, it was 1011. And that's the scripture, Romans 1011, as the scripture saying, no one who trusts in the Lord will be disappointed. And so it's like God telling me, stay put, keep trusting me. And I know that I'm being tested, you know, and having to wait silently. And, and I read these scriptures and it talks about how God favors those who wait for him. And I was sitting here looking into the woods, reading a couple of these scriptures, and I was thinking to myself, how many people actually wait? It's 9.19 right now. I literally just opened my thing and it came across 9 minutes and 19 seconds as I just looked at the timer to get to this scripture. And, you know, it says, the Lord favors those who fear him, those who wait for his loving kindness. And I thought, how many people wait for the Lord? Listen, I wait for the Lord. My soul does wait. And in his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. Indeed, more than the watchman for the morning. Psalm 135 through 6. And, you know, for from days of old they have not heard or perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen a God besides you who acts in behalf of the one who waits for him. And there's another one here. Good morning! Doing awesome. How are you? I'm doing well too. How's the dog doing? Wearing you out? Oh, no. She's really good. She looks like she's doing good at dragging you up the hill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she will do that. Okay, so... You trying to get back to the parking lot? No. I I, I think I didn't miss a turn that I wanted to go back down and around. So I think I... Where did you come in at? I came in at the trailhead. Okay, you came in at the main, the main yeah. one? where. Okay, so, so if you went that way, it takes you right back there. Okay, so I'm... Michael Commentary. This is a very special surprise that I ran across in this recording and where I have unknowingly captured one of these divine encounters that the Lord has for me. Now, you've been hearing in the previous episodes that this is happening a lot. It's been happening for several years, but it's been uh, multiplied and increased in the last few months where God seemingly has me having divine encounters with people almost everywhere I go. Well, in this instance, you can hear I'm all alone. I'm about a mile and a half to two miles out in the middle of the woods all by myself. I found a private place where I'm just journaling my thoughts. And now comes this woman who's walked up uh, upon me in the middle of the woods. Now, let me just explain a few things that will help you get the most out of this encounter you're going to hear here. First of all, you'll hear the woman actually eventually say that I have permission to share this story. Now, she has no idea that this is actually being recorded, and quite honestly, neither did I. I just completely forgot the fact that I was in the middle of having a, a journal entry that was happening. But So here's what I want to explain. The first thing you hear is this really kind of over-the-top friendly introduction that I give her when I see her from far away. This is very intentional on my part. Uh, suddenly you hear me come alive and you hear me change my disposition. What I'm trying to do in that moment is 
I'm trying to become all things to all people so that I may save some. And what I mean by that is this. One of the things that always really bothered me is to run into women who are by themselves two, three, four miles out in the middle of the woods. Honestly, it really bothers me that when I, as a single man, now I can't control what women choose to do, and I do feel a sense of relief when they're with a dog, but I never feel that it's safe. Like, for example, I would never allow Persis to do this. Never. And yet, growing up in India, you've probably heard the story of the times when she's 10, 11, 12 years old, having to go off a faraway place to the water reservoir to get water all by herself. And one time she had a very scary encounter where there was a man watching her. And rape is, you know, terrible out there. Now, I believe God watched over her as a young girl, but today I would say, don't put the Lord your God to the test. So one thing that's always bothered me is running into women out in the trail. And so what I do is I know that it's uncomfortable for them. And so I'm uncomfortable that they're uncomfortable. So I immediately go out of my way to try to put their hearts at ease. And you can see this as soon as I see her far away, I begin to, that's my way of letting her know I'm here. I'm aware of you. I'm letting you know that I'm aware that I'm here. For example, in one of the most recent recordings, um, actually, I think I've removed this part of a recording, but I actually run into a lady on the trail and I said to her, I said, wait a second, are you the lady that I ran into a year ago who, when I came around a corner in the woods, you were on the phone and you said, yes, I've just run into a, uh, a rapist murderer. He's wearing a red shirt and black shorts in the woods. I said, are you that woman? And she said, yes, I am. And we started laughing. That shows you how uncomfortable women are when they run into a man in the woods. This was a, a, a dentist in town's wife who I would see all the time in the woods. Well, this was the first time I ran into her and she felt uncomfortable. And I'm about as easygoing, non-threatening of a looking guy as you can imagine. But her first instinct was to report to her friend, I'm looking at this man. He's got a red shirt, black shorts, if anything happens to me. And she was doing it to try to be funny but she was also doing it to be serious. That helps you understand the uncomfortable dynamic that happens every single time a, a single woman by herself comes across a single man. And so I try to put them at ease and I'm doing that with this woman to try to show her I'm safe and okay. Now, so I'm going to start talking to her about directions. She's gotten lost. No, she has not gotten lost this is the sovereign hand of God to bring her across my path because the Lord has a plan. Now, one thing I want you to know is that I do not assume that every single person I run into out on the trail is a divine encounter that I'm supposed to have. I do not make that assumption. I actually was learning to become more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Now, I hoped that every encounter would be a godly one, but there were many people I would just, hi, how you doing? And they'd keep walking and I'd keep walking. There was no divine encounter. Jesus didn't have a divine encounter with every single person he came across. And so what I tried to do was to listen to the Spirit's leading and allow the Spirit of Christ to open these doors, not trying to make it happen, but allowing the Lord to do this. And what I have found is the Lord, if he wants there to be a conversation, he opens that door for me. You see, I'm not this superstar, make it happen evangelist. I'm just available. And I've always prayed, Lord, I make myself available. If you want me to be used, use me. And I'll then have the courage to step into it. And I always lead with my testimony. 
That's the one thing nobody can argue against. That's the one thing nobody can debate or set up a different church than me about is my testimony. I just simply tell them, this is what God has done and is doing in my life. And then I see it's kind of like I'm fishing with some bait. Okay, and I put my story out there, which the Lord showed me. Our testimonies are just bait. We're all fishers of men. God is fishing for the souls and increase and fullness of Christ in the hearts of men, even Christians, through our stories. Our testimony is the bait. And so I put the bait out there, and then I see if they bite on that. And if they do, then I know that the Lord is opening that person's heart. And you're going to hear this exact thing happen here. I don't have this big presumption that, oh, I'm a man of God, and so here comes somebody God must certainly want me to use. No, because not even Jesus felt that way. Jesus didn't help every single person. He helped those whom the Holy Spirit guided him to help. Just like it says in John 3 through 8, the Spirit blows where it pleases. And the Spirit is going to be pleased to blow right now in this circumstance. And this woman is eventually going to open up. You're going to hear her actually give me permission to share her story uh, eventually if I want to, um, having no idea that I'm actually recording this. So I'm going to just simply take out her last name to protect her identity, but share this story with you. This woman is going to eventually share something very, very painful and humiliating that happened to her oldest daughter in this family and some of the challenges they went through. And then God's going to give me an opportunity to minister a specific word to her and her family and then pray for her. Nothing gigantic and spectacular, but just watch how effortless the fruit is when you abide in Christ and Christ abides in you. Now, she's started to talk to me about directions. And so we're going to have a few minutes of this kind of talk about directions. I know these trails like the back of my hand, and I'm going to give her some guidance, but I'm actually going to cut through all that so we can get right to it. May God bless you as you listen. End of commentary. I'm actually from Orlando, Florida. Oh, from yeah, I'm from Orlando, Florida, but I moved here about three years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. What brought you here? You know, my life fell apart. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's it's actually one of those things. It's a total, it's a, it's one of those things, like, have you ever heard the story of Job in the Bible by oh, any chance? Absolutely. All right, well, that's what people used to call me. I oh. I had the, you know, million-dollar home and a beautiful wife and five children and a very successful business and... Long story short, I, I got to the very top and I was miserable. And I was torn between God and success. And I ended up surrendering and I lost everything. And my parents actually came and kidnapped me three years ago, called me on a Friday and came down and got me and brought me up here. And um, now I have a full-time ministry and I help people all over the world that are going through really... It's called RelentlessHeart.com. Okay. And um, I actually just uh, spend all my time, I produce videos, and people sign up to my daily devotions. And you have a, um, a focus? Well, I teach people obedience. It's about discipleship. Right. I teach people right out of the teachings of Christ. Mm -hmm. And I get the Bible out, and I share stories, and uh, people just uh, subscribe. And it's usually about a seven to eight minute video per day. Wow. And it's all founded on my story. There's a documentary about my life story, and so... And then, literally, my biggest uh, ministry is just at, like, Starbucks, and I go, and, and I sit, and I just wait for God to put people in my path. And Do you work with young people at all? You know, I actually, truth be told, you know, some people think it's weird, but um, I get called up here a lot to meet people. I'll have, a, like, appointments. It's very interesting. Like, I'll get up here, and I'll meet three teenagers, and then they'll ask. On the trails. I mean, I could. T I have story after story after story of three years. I've met hundreds of people and wow. prayed for people, and yeah. 
I meet atheists up here. I mean, I just kind of have this thing where I just kind of go wherever God leads me, and then he just brings people across my path that need to hear some word of encouragement or something like that. So whether it's teenagers or, you know, older people, you know, I have a heart for anybody that, uh, you know, my, my, my heart is just to have people take him seriously, yeah, yeah. you know. I didn't take him so seriously for the first part of my life, and yeah, you know now I just love him so much. I came out here this morning. I'm just having my little church. I've been helping my parents move this uh, morning, and so I came out to do my little church thing here this morning to oh, spend some okay. time. Yeah, well, that's awesome. yeah. yeah. Like I'm Michael, church. by the way. And I'm Amy. Yes. Nice to meet you, nice Amy. Yeah. And so, where do you um, go to church at? I go to First United Methodist downtown. Oh, is that? Oh, is that the real nice white church, church with purple doors? Oh, yeah, that's so. Cool. The church with purple doors. Okay. Now I don't know that I've seen the purple doors, but I've seen the one that has the really awesome cross sitting outside on Green Street. That's is it? it? Purple doors in the front. If you went up to Randolph and went down there, the front sanctuary doors are purple. That is so cool. I teach a men's Bible study on Wednesday nights. I've been doing it for a year. Right across the street in the old YMCA building. Oh, in the YMCA building. Two hundred three Green Street every Wednesday night. That is that is too funny. Good. Yeah. Well, see, and I just got through well, really a nine month Bible study at my church, Disciple One. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Disciple series. No, no. But you know, I'm I'm going to tell you a short version of my story. Yeah. This and I and you're welcome to share this. You know, not using names, but since twenty, let's see. So my daughter was 15. Let's just put that, okay? She started drinking. And uh, we didn't know it immediately. But when we found out, we did all the right things. You know, we found out she'd had a party at our lake house behind our backs. And oh, we punished wow. her. And then she really went off the deep end with some, you know, not strong drugs, but pot. Basically. Right, right. We got her to see therapists. We did everything we could. And her life just spiraled down. And when mm. hers did, ours did. Sort yes. Of, you know. The only thing that kept us going was that my husband and I have a very, very strong relationship and a very good marriage. So oh, good. praise God for that. Um, then in 2010, my oldest daughter, who's five, four years older than that daughter, but five years ahead of school, spent six months in Ecuador doing a medical mission thing. She was uh, taking a gap year between college and going to med school. And she was raped by the doctor that she was working with. So then in 2011, my younger daughter graduated from school, went to college, and continued to spiral down. And then my older daughter got in med school. She is a very strong Christian and weathered the storm of Ecuador. And then almost this time last year, 20, it'll be August 17th of 2013, my younger daughter decided to go to rehab and became sober. And we celebrate her one year sobriety in three weeks. In the middle of all that, let's see, and in wow. 2012, in 2012, my brother was killed in an industrial accident on a Saturday, and my father-in-law died four days later. Oh, my so goodness. All of that in like a five-year period. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, when you say relentless heart, you're exactly right. Christ oh. has that, and he, I'm sure he has done a lot of correcting in me. Yes, I, ma'am. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Amy. I didn't come up here to do this. Amy, 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 you do not need to apologize. Anybody, I'm just... your brother in Christ, and I, I actually what I would like to do is to pray for you as well. But let me ask you this: How are you guys doing right now? We're we're good. Are we're you doing okay? Good. I mean, really good. My older daughter's getting married next summer, and she's looking to go to med school. Um, the only thing I would say is that she 
and this is very common. I, I don't know if you're familiar at all with Alcoholics Anonymous or Al-Anon. Believe even. it or not, I am very familiar with it because I've actually helped some men get free from drugs and alcohol okay. addiction. Mm -hmm. Then alcoholics and family of alcoholics always seem to search out other alcoholics. Yes. So my daughter is engaged to a young man who, after watching what my younger daughter went through, realized he was an alcoholic. And they stayed, and, and they were not engaged to be married then. They were just dating, but they were headed toward... This is the younger daughter no, that... Oh, the older daughter that was raped. Right. Okay, so she's now potentially marrying. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, she's married an alcoholic, but he is a recovering alcoholic. Okay, okay. But um, he chose not to get uh, professional help. He's trying to do it on his own, and he's had a couple of struggles. And so I, that's my biggest concern right now. I mean, you know, as a family, we're really good, but I worry about what she's facing with that. We asked her to put the wedding off and wait until, you know, everything got settled out. Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't want to do that. Yeah. And you can't make a 26-year-old do something. <laughs> That's right. And so we're decided to be supportive. Of course, we have reservations, but not about him as a person, but just about him and in his sobriety. So yes, he's in bondage to it. Well, he is, but you know, he wants out, mm -hmm. which is the first step. And he's been, he's been, well, he. Started recovery, I should say, last October. He's had a couple of relapses, but they've been just like a one-time thing. It's not like a couple of relapses for weeks at a time, right. like one night. And then, right, right. And so, um, basically, at our, they decided to, thank goodness, but we also told my older daughter that we couldn't bless the marriage if they wouldn't get counseling because we, he was just trying to do it by himself. He had no, and my yes. younger daughter's been very involved with that because she's trying to talk to him. She, yeah. didn't get, she went to an excellent place and got really good coping skills and mm -hmm. that whole, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. So, a couple of takeaways from this, and I'm, I'm not trying to tell you what to do, but as you're ministering to people with alcohol things, 90-day um, programs are by far better. And um, Christian-based, if you can find, you know, if, if that's what you can get somebody to go to, I think they're stronger. I'd like to share something with you that I think maybe is the reason why we met today. Okay. Um, I actually have seen some unbelievable miracles, and there's some stories that I'd like to share with you. Um, I have a man who's 61 years old who's mm -hmm. in my Wednesday night Bible study class who was an alcoholic for 30 years. Wow. And then he became sober mm -hmm. for 30 years. Wow. But behind the scenes, Amy, he was struggling with a sex addiction that he could not get rid of. And he couldn't understand why he was able to be sober, but he could not get free of this sex addiction. Uh -huh. And so one of the things that the Lord just was so kind to show me and teach me as I kind of left the old life and spent thousands of hours out here and mm -hmm. seeking God and His Word is the concept that happens in Matthew 18, and so many Christians don't understand this, but really whether it's alcohol or it's sex mm -hmm. or it's food, oh, we're yeah. all simply trying to medicate the pain. It's this big vicious cycle of I'm outside of God's will, I feel guilty about it, and now I need something to, to cover the better. shame. It's so easy to see. And one thing that I have always explained to people, and I've always taught my men, is that the world offers a 12-step program, but Jesus really, Amy, mm -hmm. offers one step. Mm -hmm. And it's in John 8, 31 through 36, where Jesus says, to the Jews who had believed in him, mm -hmm. he said, you're really my disciples if you hold to my teaching." So the prerequisite for getting free, because the next verse he says, if you hold to my teaching, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set, set you, you free. free. 
He goes on to say, they say, well, wait a second, we're slaves of, we're, we're descendants of Abraham, we've never been slaves to anybody, what are you talking about? And he's trying to help them understand, he says, anyone who sins is a slave to that sin. Right. And he says, a slave has no permanent place in the family, so you can't go to heaven, but a son belongs to it forever. He says, so if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. So the question becomes, how do we get free? I'm going to tell you my experience, and I have seen miracle after miracle. We've done documentary stories about this. Forgiveness is always the issue. Unforgiveness is what the number one reason that people stay trapped in bondage. So I will tell you, anybody you run across that's suffering from alcoholism, addictions of any kind, they're in torment. And the Bible says in Matthew 18, Jesus says, Look, if I forgive you, but you don't turn around and forgive those that have offended you, my father will turn you over to the tormentors. Yeah. I just met with a musician three days ago at Starbucks, and he says, Mike, I have to smoke pot because that's the only way I can get the tormentors off of me. He says, I'm under constant torment. And I said, brother, you're in unforgiveness. Who is it that you're not forgiving? And as soon as you forgive them, the father will release you from these overwhelming... Just read Matthew 18. I beg you to read... Matthew 18, starting in verse 17, okay. which is the parable of the unmerciful servant. Oh, yes. I, knew, I know exactly. I mean, okay. I've, I've read the whole New Testament. I've read most of the Old Testament. New Testament. read most of the Old Testament, except for maybe a couple of, of books. But, um, Meditate but yes, on I that. I know exactly what you're talking about with the, un, the unforgiving. The, the one who um, was forgiven by his master, but then turned around and, and berated right. the person under him. But what most people don't see in that, that God showed me when I was studying it, is that nobody dies in that parable. So most people think, well, if I don't forgive, then I don't get to go to heaven. Mm -hmm. But what they're not seeing is, is that God is actually teaching... Oh, there's people coming through the woods. Somebody's off the trail. So, anyhow, the long story short is that it's it literally is a need for forgiveness. Yeah. Um, that's almost that's always awesome yeah thought. thank you you're very welcome that. and if the person can just release the offender the way it works with god god will pull that torment off i, w I will go home and read that meditate on it i appreciate you, you tell me about that so um yeah because if, if a guy can get or a woman can get those thoughts out of their head what uh -huh. you what we can't see before the person runs to the drink is the thoughts that are going on in their head and so Jesus says, it's for their. It's really His mercy that He turns us over to the tormentors. I mean, that's what one one translation says. He He will turn you over to the tormentors until you've paid back all that you owe. Well, the only way to get out of that is forgiveness. I have seen guys, Amy, their lives change. I mean, that sex addiction was gone in one night. I made all the men, wow, all the men, get on their knees in the Bible study. We caught this whole thing on video. All of the men getting on their knees and. I explained to them that, you know, we're going to forgive whoever it is that you still would like to see punished. Mm -hmm. The way you know whoever you haven't forgiven is, is anybody you, you can think of that you would still like to see punished yeah. for what they did to oh. you. Anybody you can think of, they still, it, it, that means you have not forgiven them because Jesus Christ doesn't forgive you and I and then ask us to pay back what we owe. So when we turn around and expect restitution from those that have wronged us or we expect repayment or we still want to see that person punished, then we can know we haven't forgiven them. And Jesus Christ said, you'll be turned over. His Father will turn you over to the tormentors. Unbelievable life change when a man or a woman will consent 
to releasing the offender. Mm -hmm. Total release. I no longer hold that person responsible. I'm not saying that what they did was wrong. That's a reason why people can't forgive is they feel feel like if I release them, that that somehow or another says what they did was okay. Your daughter's rape was not okay. For her to forgive that man that did that to her is setting her free, not him. God will bring justice. That's going to be a hard thing. Cause she, okay, so she stayed down there for another two weeks. My husband went down there to bring her home, and she wouldn't come home until she testified him against him in open court. And um, in Spanish, for four hours. <laughs> and um, he came one time, to the, and, the, and the judicial system in Ecuador is very corrupt. And um, he came one time, and then he disappeared but it cost him two jobs because he worked he worked all the doctors work for the government there they have this you know totalitarian health I'm sure I'm sure and um, he worked in a small clinic which she that's where she supported him and that and then he also worked for a big manufacturer a big company there that he was their company doctor he lost both of those jobs and then they had to move and um, then he was you know on the lamb since December of 2010, and then three, two judges upheld his conviction, because he never came back to court, upheld his conviction, and then um, the last judge was murdered, and the next judge released him. He repetitioned. Every time a judge was coming, he repetitioned, and so now he's free, and that just happened literally in the last month. And um, and you're right. There's not anybody in my family that's forgiving. And do you know that I, I I have to tell you I understand it. I understand the pain. My story is called losing everything to find it all. The website is relentless heart, but my story is called yeah. losing everything to find it all because I was actually betrayed. And there's court involved, and yeah. there's all that kind of stuff. So I understand being betrayed, and I understand that. But I I just. My prayer will be, in fact, can I just agree with you in prayer right now for you and your family? I just want to pray for you, for you and your family both, and and just bless you, sister. Father, God, I just thank you. I thank you so much for the opportunity to meet Amy today. I thank you so much, Father, for all that you've carried her through. I thank you for the amazing, strong marriage. God, how many people can say that in today's day and age that they have a strong marriage? I thank you, Father, that she cares and she's a loving mother. She loves her children. I thank you, Father, for the pain in her heart on behalf of her children. But God, I thank you most of all for your gracious gift of freedom and forgiveness for us and for everyone in her family. And God, I just ask you in the name of Jesus, humbly, Lord, on behalf of my sister in Christ here, I ask you, Father, to give her the strength to totally turn to you and to trust you for her heart and to trust you for justice. Because what our earthly court says is not justice. What the God of the universe, the ultimate executor of justice says is what matters. And God, I just pray in Jesus' name for her poor, precious daughter that she's able to release that fender. Father, forgive him for he knows not what he did. Any human being who can do that to another human being is not aware spiritually of the implications. And God, like I've told all of my men, No matter what anybody's ever done to you, it's not bad enough for them to deserve hell. Hell is forever. It is unbelievable, the thought of having somebody to go to hell. So the worst case scenario is a man like that who never turns and repents and finds forgiveness. God, I pray that the family is able to have compassion on him and recognize that he is a man 
who's only passing on the hurt that's been done to him. Hurt people hurt other people. That's the way it works. It's the enemy playing in the playground of collateral damage. And God, I pray that they're able to see past the hurt he did, having no idea what may have happened to him, the sexual abuse he may have received when he was five years old, or what have, who knows what's happened. Not that it excuses that behavior, Father, but we take the offense off of our hook and we place it onto yours. God, that that family might be free. I pray, Jesus, give them your grace. Give them your grace, Lord. This family needs your grace to be able to look to the cross and say, wow, this is what I have been forgiven. How can I not turn around and free those who offend me? And in the process, I free myself. I'm not a slave to the tormentors. God, bless their hearts. Strengthen their hearts. Give this family unbelievable grace. Bring whatever resources you need into this family. Whatever written words, books, videos, teachings, anything, God, that they can see the light. Do not allow the enemy to use these offenses in their life to turn around and wrap them up so that 20 years from now, they're still dying spiritually as a result of something somebody outside of their family did to them. God Almighty, have mercy upon this family. Have mercy, Father. Show them your goodness and show them your faithfulness. God, I ask you in Jesus' name to set the son free from the alcoholic addiction. I pray you'll help him to recognize that he's probably walking with pain in his heart towards somebody that he needs to forgive and that if he'll have the courage to release that person or whoever they are, maybe even himself, that Father, in the name of Jesus, he'll be free in an instant to live the life that you've ordained him to live. God, I thank you for these things in faith. Mark eleven twenty four. whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. God, 1 John 14. 1 John says that if I ask anything according to your will, I know that you hear me. And if I know that you hear me, I know that I have whatever I ask for. And God, freedom is something you want for all the captives. Jesus, that's why you came. And so I am thanking you in advance for the blessing upon this family. I'm thanking you for setting them free. I'm thanking you for restoring what the enemy has lost. I'm thanking you for broken hearts that are mended. I'm thanking you for redemption. I hear testimonies. God, I see testimonies all over this whole family. Brokenness turned into testimonies that will be used to redeem others from the pit. God, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you for blessing me with the opportunity to meet this sister of mine today. Let she go today in your strength and in your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Bless you, sister. Thank you. You're very welcome. Now listen, walk it out it's in faith. It's a mini sermon. <laughs> walk it out, walk it out in faith, okay? You sure. just it's it all comes down, if I may just say this, from one stranger to another. I have seen God do unbelievable things as an answer to faith. You know, the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. We see that Jesus walked into right. some towns and, and he says, I couldn't even do hardly any miracles here because nobody had any faith. Right. And then he says, When the Son of Man comes back, will he even find faith on earth? And, and faith is being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you do not see. And so you're absolutely filled with faith that God will have his way in the hearts of your babies. And God sees those tears. <laughs> but I, I just thank you. I, I do believe, you know, I'm, I'm not a believer in coincidence or anything like that. Oh, so. no, don't, don't. Don't believe in coincidence. <laughs> no, believe I don't. Believe that in divine appointments, God directs our steps. You know, Proverbs 16, 9, man makes his plans, but the Lord directs his steps. I mean... I probably was going to go about 15 minutes earlier, and it was like the Lord said, just sit. And as you walked <laughs> up, I'm just sitting here recording, 
some thoughts on some things that I had happened this morning, uh -huh. you know, and, and I ended up being a little late, you know. <laughs> it it's just God looking after God you. He plan. loves you so much. He, he loves plan. you so, and He loves you so much. If I can just assure you of this one thing, Amy, that God has blessed me with the opportunity to meet people, and uh, He just loves you so much. He loves he you does. so much. I know He does. And He is wanting to bless you, and He wants you to not have to carry this burden. You know, this, this is the most terrible thought I have. I keep thinking, you know, because I do feel like that I've walked with him the whole way. I've never, you know, I've never blamed him, abandoned him, or or anything like that. But sometimes I wonder, you know, it just seems like that the ones who are walking most faithfully are the ones who get hit harder and harder. Amen. That the ones who are walking most faithfully are the ones who get hit harder and harder. Amen. And this is a terrible dark thought, but I just kept thinking, you know, if I wasn't doing this, would Satan just leave me alone? And and that's a terrible thought, I know. I just, but it just, it just has, it enters your mind. And that, yes. that's Satan entering your mind. Yes. You know, if you'll just walk away from God, I'll stop bugging you. Yes, and you know what? He absolutely would. He absolutely would do that. But I want to share with you, look at this. I would have had it open. So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue in God's will. You have persevered and have endured many hardships for my name and have not grown weary. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as He told me. And the God of all grace who called you to His eternal glory in Christ after you've suffered a little while will Himself restore you and make you strong firm and steadfast. These are promises for you, Amy. Look at this. Blessed is the man or the woman who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And one of my favorites, as you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Can I email this to you? Sure. I have all these documents that I have prepared that have some of the best of God's word. And I'll send you an email. And my website, the videos are down right now. I'm, okay. I'm changing video providers. And when they get back up in a couple of days, I'll send them to you. Okay. And you can see some of these stories of some of the people okay. that have trusted God, walked through forgiveness. And you might even find uh, some really encouraging ones in there to share with your son. Oh, yeah. Okay. What's your email address? And it was Amy. Yeah. And I will, um, I'll send you those documents. Maybe what I can do is when you, when you send me stuff, I can send it to, to them. And yeah. Yeah. Just say, without saying, y'all need to see this, but like right. talking about meeting on the trail yep. and the cool yep. stuff and if, you know, let it speak to them however it will Absolutely. speak to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And trust so, God. And, and so I just encourage you, be on the knees. I fight all of my battles on my knees. I didn't necessarily have to be on your knees, but I, right, I know you know, when saying. I can't, it's that can humility of God. In your mind. Help me. <laughs> yes. It's just the humility of depending upon God. God gives grace to the humble and he opposes the proud. Mm -hmm. We When we say, I got this, God, you're opposed. Yeah. But when you crawl up underneath of him and you dwell in the shelter of the Most High, mm -hmm. Psalm 91.1, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest. In the shadow of the Almighty. It mm -hmm. is true, Amy. I'm telling you, I have been through hell and back and then, and mm -hmm. hell and back and then, and my God has been with me, and I have been at the worst of the worst and said, how is it possible for me to still have joy? How can I still pour into other people's lives? I should be completely consumed with what I don't have or what's not working in my life. Yeah. And God gives you this grace, mm -hmm. no matter what you go through. 
And just depend upon him for your babies. Depend upon him. He will not let you down. You do what you can to have information pass their way. Yeah. But you will accomplish more on those knees, right. ma'am, sister. I'm telling you. You go in the blessing of God's thank grace. You. I you bless too. you in Jesus' name. And thank All you. Right. I mean, and bless your ministry. That's, that's, thank you. Oh, oh. I'm so sorry. I'm Say, sorry, Mama, girl. I didn't deserve no. that. <laughs> that's funny. I'm sorry, girl. That's funny. Um, I, well, all right, Hike on, young lady. Thanks. Be strong. Bless you. You are sure welcome. I'll send you an email later today, okay? Bye, Amy. God bless you.